0: Hi, and welcome to Way Too Seriously, the podcast where we watch kids' movies and then take them way too seriously. I'm Paul Moffat. I'm Jan Moffat. And this week we watched, and we'll be talking about, The Chronicles of Narnia, colon, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. <laughs> Jan, do you want to tell us a bit about this movie?
1: I'm laughing about your colon. <laughs> You're
0: laughing about my colon? <laughs> rude is it really necessary to say colon (laughs) i do and always have hated that they called this the chronicles of narnia instead of calling it the lion the witch in the wardrobe
1: it's because they wanted it to be a series
0: which it is it's confusing
1: it is confusing it was lord of the rings the return of the king it was at that era
0: yeah this well okay this movie desperately wants to be Lord of the Rings, but... It sure does. Let's we'll get hold off on that. Okay. Do you want to tell us a bit about this movie?
1: Let me tell you a little bit about this movie. The Chronicles of Narnia, Cole and the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, is a 2005 movie by Walden Media. It was directed by Andrew Adamson. It stars William Mosley, Anna Popwell, Skander Keynes, and Georgia Henley. It also has Jim Broadbent stars as a professor and Tilda Swinton, James McAvoy and Liam Neeson also star. Paul, do you want to tell us about the plot of this movie, not the book, but the movie?
0: There once were four children whose names were Peter, Susan, Edmund, during the blitz on London they leave war-torn blitzed London to go live in the country in the big house of the professor. While they're exploring the house, Lucy discovers a magical door to the realm of Narnia, where it's always winter and never Christmas. The four children together unseat the evil white witch with the help of the magical lion Aslan, who dies but gets better. (laughs) And then they become kings and queens of Narnia until they stumble out again into the real world where nothing really has changed. Except them. <laughs> <laughs> their, their hearts have changed. The real treasure was the friendships they made along the way.
1: <laughs> sure.
0: That's the approximate plot of this movie. <laughs> That's the approximate plot of this movie. Right? right. Edmund betrays them for the White Witch. And then everyone feels bad and then he makes up again and everyone feels good.
1: So to be clear, going into this, we are huge, dinormous fans of the book. Yep. Both of us have read it countless times. Literally countless. Yeah. Like. I do not know how many times I've read this book. Hundreds is not an
0: exaggeration.
1: Yeah. Uh. So, we're going to try, as we did with Harry Potter, to separate the book from the movie, Mm -hmm. despite being mega fans of this book. So, objectively, how was this movie?
0: I want to start with a high note. uh, And it is, I think that the special effects in this movie are quite good. Mm -hmm. Uh, The creature effects, the animals, the... I mean, talking animals with moving... Mouths is always tricky. Yeah. And there are moments where it's done better and worse. But on the whole, this movie came out quite in the same time span as the Harry Potter movies. Mm-hmm. But the special effects are noticeably better. And sp- particularly, like the centaur is a mm. million times better than the centaurs in Harry Potter.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And
0: there's a werewolf for a hot second. Who's a million times better than the werewolf in Harry Potter. Yep. And like, so as a high note, the special effects and not just the uh, implementation of them, but like the creative design behind them is all, I think, really excellently done.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. I think that they create the world quite well. Mm-hmm. Um... I mean, the kind of iconic image from the book is the fawn in the woods. Yep. And I feel like that was done very well. He looks exactly like the illustrations and like that classic picture of Red Scarf fawn.
0: Yeah. He looks great. On, I mean, as a whole, this is a good looking movie. Um, There are some exceptions Mm -hmm. that I will draw attention to as we go. Yeah. But on the whole, it's a really good-looking movie, I think.
1: Yeah. I think that um, it was a good choice to start with The Blitz, Yeah, which isn't in the book at all, because if you read this book in the 50s, you would know why children would be shipped off from London. But if you are watching a movie in 2005, especially a child in 2005, you would not n- understand or know why they left their parents and are living in this country house. So to show that, to show the full like, here's what's happening in London. Here is why they have to leave. All sorts of children were leaving. They were just some of them, and this is where they ended up.
0: I agree, and this is something that the first time I watched this movie, I didn't like because it was different from the book and the book. But looking at it a little bit more uh, objectively, I think it was a good choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's one of the best moments sequences in the movie. And I think it also makes the themes of the movie clear. Something that's a quite subtle theme in the book. The foreground. I didn't like that they foregrounded it on my first watch. But now kind of giving them a little bit more leeway to make their own movie that isn't my reading of the book. That Like they foregrounded the war theme. That's quite minor really in the book. But in the movie it's a big theme. Yeah, exactly. And grounding that in the real world England and making it be like you went to escape war just to be drawn into it. Like, yeah. I think that works.
1: Yeah, I think so too. It was well done. Um, I think that the child actors are okay. hmm. Peter is pretty good. Edmund is pretty good. Neither of the girls are that great. Lucy, I feel like when I first watched this movie, I thought Lucy did a great job. And then watching it this time, I was like, mm,
0: nope. It's funny because I think I agree with you that Edmund did pretty well. Uh, I think Lucy was the second best of the kids. Oh, really? I think Peter was awful. <laughs> I really did not like Peter's performance mm. at all. Yeah. Uh, part of that maybe the directing in fact i mean he's a little he's old enough that he could have given a better performance i he's old enough that i'm starting to hold him responsible for his own performing choices
1: it's often like when it comes to child actors though but
0: it's often the direction he was clearly told to look scared a lot mhm and he does look scared but i don't like it yeah i don't think it sells his character i think it makes peter very one note mm-hmm. and it, like he's terrified and then Suddenly he's leading a battle and nothing has led him to that point. Mm. And the acting makes his character like less plausible. Mm.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Yeah. And he doesn't know how to hold a sword. Yeah. The actor. The actor. Yeah. And that is not that the character hasn't told a sword before. Yeah. It's that no one taught this actor how to hold a sword properly. Mm -hmm. And he spends a lot of time pointing his sword at people and you're like, dude that's not how to hold it
1: i felt like lucy uh a lot of her performance was through editing Hmm. (laughs) a lot of her lines were delivered not to anyone right or possibly to like to anyone in the moment but like they were very cut into the scenes yeah and so i don't know she was just kind of child actors it's hard especially when something is based on a book because in a book you get so much realism out of a child and And then much
0: emotional nuance
1: and emotional nuance exactly and then to watch it on screen a, a, a child actor just can't
0: achieve that in the same way or it's a rare combination of actor and director that can get that kind of emotional nuance from a child performance
1: yeah and we talked about this a bit with like charles wallace in in um, wrinkle in time yeah that it's just difficult to translate that to screen
0: i don't think when i first finished watching it i thought i basically didn't like any of the child actors except edmund mm-hmm. and even edmund is the best of them, but, uh, isn't a, isn't a performance without flaws. Yeah. I think that maybe my problems with Susan are uh, with the writing and directing, not the performance. Mm. Yeah. There were, there are some real weak points and I'll want to talk about them in the way too seriously with Susan in this movie. Yeah. But I think, actually, that the actor does fine.
1: Yeah. Um, Tilda Swinton.
0: Amazing. Knocks them all out of the park. She's miles better than anyone else in this movie. Yeah. So much better than anyone else in this movie that it's kind of embarrassing.
1: It is, exactly.
0: Especially for someone like, like Liam Neeson is great in some things. Mm -hmm. But in this movie, he like, he can't be in a scene with Tilda Swinton mm-hmm. without like you're supposed to be inspired by Aslan but he's so much less than Tilda Swinton is. Yeah it's true. <laughs> it it's makes true. me root for the White Witch. <laughs> I thought I liked everything about the White Witch in this movie. Mm-hmm. I love Tilda Swinton's performance. I thought it was phenomenal. I really liked, she doesn't look, her styling and makeup and stuff doesn't look like how I imagined the White Witch, but I still loved it. Mm -hmm. I absolutely loved her like wearing Aslan's mane as part of her armor in the battle thing when she's steering the chariot by polar bears. Like that's great. Mm -hmm. Everything about the White Witch is great. And I put most of the credit on Tilda Swinton. But I also put a lot of credit on the costuming and makeup, which is really good I yeah. think throughout this movie, oh
1: yeah, phenomenal. I think the costuming in this movie is fantastic. everything from the costumes from the the forties right to the all the like very detailed, very beautiful costumes in Narnia, mm-hmm. even like right to the end when they like grow up to be kings and queens, and it's just the detail and the the design of of the costumes is fantastic.
0: Yeah, I think it's really good.
1: I mean, like we said, like it's a visual it's a visually beautiful movie. It's a visually good movie, especially for 2005. It the CGI stands up quite well. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Mhm. And it's just some of the performances are not the greatest.
0: Yeah. I remember um, watching it in theaters and I remember being annoyed by Aslan's fur that it seemed like it had a life of its own. And rewatching it this time, that didn't bother me this time at all. Yeah. So, smaller
1: screen, maybe.
0: A little bit smaller. Thing. We watched it on a yeah, big screen, mm-hmm. like in a per- private movie theater. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yes, we did. Um, so, should we get into personal thoughts and feelings? How much do you like this movie?
0: I liked it better on this watch than I did the first time. Um, Is this
1: only the second time you've seen it?
0: I think this is the second time I have seen it. Because we owned it for a while. I liked it little enough the first time that I didn't want to watch it again. Hmm. The first time I watched it, I was very disappointed. Mm -hmm. And so my expectations, I think, were low coming in this time. And I it was better than I remembered. Mm-hmm. It, I enjoyed it a lot more than I remembered or expected to. That said, what we joked about in our preamble about like this movie really wants to be Lord of the Rings is one of the things that I still think is a problem with this movie. Yeah. And problem with my enjoyment of it. Uh, I think it's actually objectively a mistake, but it's definitely my enjoyment of it is. I don't think that they're making the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, I think they're making the Fellowship of the Ring light.
1: Mm. Yeah, you may be
0: right. And just because Tolkien and C.S. Lewis were friends doesn't mean that Narnia is Lord of the Rings light. And if you try to make Lord of the Rings light, you end up making a really crappy uh, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which I think is basically what they did. Not really crappy, but the like all the times when they're transparently trying to be Lord of the Rings it feels very watered down and uh, low stakes which it is compared to Lord of the Rings yeah right Right. not enough detail not enough depth not enough complexity not because if you're trying to make Lord of the Rings and you make Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe it's gonna seem like a pale imitation Mm -hmm. but if you're trying to make Lion the Witch in the Wardrobe it can be great And I have more affection for Narnia than I do for Lord of the Rings, actually, Mm -hmm. as a book series. They're aimed at a different audience. And it's one of the things, too, in terms of my enjoyment of it, uh, there's some tonal shifts that happen in this movie. And the most dramatic of them is this uh, death of Aslan is like suddenly the age, the target age of the movie goes up by, you know, seven or eight years. hmm Part of what makes it seem kiddy is that they're trying to make it seem grown up and failing. That like the really high, the contrived chase scenes, because they're trying to make it like, this is a really tense, action-packed movie, but that's not what the story is. And so they're contrived and they're, lame and they end up seeming cartoony mm-hmm. and those don't mesh at all with the like and now uh every kind of scary creature we can imagine represented in realism killing a character that we love on screen right
1: yeah it's, yeah. them killing Aslan is a very skip frightening scene it's very intense
0: I don't really mind it being that intense if the rest of the movie had matched that tone or if they'd brought the tone of that down to what the rest of the movie was. Mm -hmm. It's just a real mismatch in tone between that and the whole rest of the movie. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. How did you enjoy this movie?
1: I have always been a much bigger fan of this movie than you. Yep. I... Yeah, I owned it on DVD and watched it a few times since then. I don't know where you were when that happened. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, I like everything except the, like, unnecessary chase scenes, Mm -hmm. which, like, hello, that's a theme on WTS here, is Jan does not like an unnecessary chase scene. They're dumb. They do not advance the plot. The unnecessariness of... The whole part where the wolves are chasing them onto the -hmm. the ice and the waterfall cracks and they go Uh down the water and then like, oh no, Lucy is dead. Oh no, she's fine. Oh, that just boils my blood. How much I hate (laughs) that part. It is so tacked on, unnecessary, stupid, not in the book, and throws me completely out of it. Like I just aggressively rolled my eyes the entire scene when, when we watched it this time. However... I do have a so much affection for Narnia that I have so much affection for this movie. I think that it really, a lot of it keeps the spirit of the movie. Lucy stepping into that wardrobe and discovering Narnia is straight out of my imagination. It is beautifully done and it's, uh, It's a difficult scene to achieve. And I keep thinking about there's like a BBC (laughs) miniseries in like, I don't know, the 80s, maybe the early 90s. And it is atrocious. It's really bad. Really, really bad. And so when this came out, it was like, oh, something that has beauty and can actually achieve the things that are written
0: about. I totally am with you on the chase scenes. Mm -hmm. Uh, In fact, when I think about a contrived, overly long, unnecessary chase scene in a kid's movie, this is the movie I think of. Yeah, exactly. I think this is the worst example I can think of. Polar Express. Polar Express is contrived danger. Ah, yes. Not chase scene particularly, but it's up there. Yeah. I think the contrived danger and contrived... Uh, Chase scenes in this movie are as bad as the worst parts of the Polar Express. I hate them. I think they're bad, like, because they stall the movie. I think they're badly done Mm -hmm. as chase scenes. Yeah. Like, they're not skillfully done. No. Uh, They don't really make logical sense. Like, the wolves just keep popping up out of nowhere. Mm Mm-hmm. And they're, like, they're, they drag. Yeah. They're supposed to be, like, building the excitement and tension, but they're boring. Mm-hmm. Even if I was a kid, the, like, ten hours that Peter stands there pointing a sword at the wolf who's like, hey, I'm going to come get you. Yeah. It's like, that goes on so much too long. So, and
1: it happens several times. Yeah. Doesn't just happen once.
0: And it's like they, I don't, I mean... Maybe the movie ran short. I don't know. There are things they cut out. I love the book so much that it is a real effort for me not to nitpick every detail that is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. So Lucy stepping into the wardrobe is good uh, in a lot of ways. Except that the wardrobe shouldn't have been covered with a sheet. No, that's true. And she should have it should have been a lot less wonder with her stepping into the wardrobe itself the first time, because she didn't know it was a magic door. Uh, and then the, the wonder is when it turns into a magic door to Narnia. And the first time she steps in is not when they're playing hide and seek. It's when they're exploring the house. She, they aren't playing hide and seek until later. Uh, (laughs) she goes to Narnia twice the first time. Uh, is when they're just exploring the house. <laughs> so, like, I recognize yeah. how pedantic I'm being. They're very, you're very But nitpicky. in terms of my enjoyment, all those things bother me.
1: Yeah. Well, the one thing that bothers me, I mean, the, of thousands of things that bother me between the book and the movie, uh, that I noticed this time that bugged me, was... The beavers don't get any Christmas presents. I know! Father Christmas shows up and gives the children their presents, and like the beavers are right there. And it makes the world smaller. It does. And there's a few moments in this movie where they kind of decrease the size of the world. They make it very much... Just so solely focused on the kids. And I get that. I get why you would do that in a movie. But it kind of bugged me that, like, you couldn't just give a little bit of lip service to, like, the beavers get Christmas
0: presents, too. Because the beaver, like, the reason why that bothers me, maybe why it bothers you is different, but why it bothers me so very much is because it, uh... I mean, I'm gonna use a word that maybe is not appropriate, but dehumanizes the beavers. Mm-hmm. So they're not persons that we care about. Yeah. Uh they're funny talking animal friends. And the beavers throughout the movie are funny talking animal friends, but uh part of thematically what Narnia is about is like recognizing people who are different from you as having real value. Mm-hmm. And so seeing the beavers. As being fully persons, even though they're not fully human, matters. Yeah. And the movie doesn't know that that matters. And that bugged the heck out of me. Yep,
1: yeah, exactly. Like, it's the beavers that haven't had Christmas.
0: Exactly. These kids have had Christmas. They had Christmas last year. I don't even know what, type, what year it is. It's the summer for them. They're getting extra presents. Yeah, exactly. I liked the... Uh, <laughs> Just quiet erasing of C.S. Lewis's sexism in handing out the presents was nice, though. Yes, that was nice. (laughs) (sighs) Anything else about your enjoyment of the movie that you want to comment on? I
1: really like all the Aslan scenes. I like his resurrection quite a lot, as I do in the book. I think that was well done where he suddenly roars and is big and they mm-hmm. ride on him and stuff. I always feel like he's weirdly inconsistent in size, which is always the trouble with a CGI thing. Yeah. Um I don't really enjoy the battle scene because no. once again, that's not really in the book either, and it is too like you say, Lord
0: of the Rings light. Like it's the two armies and they're charging at
1: each other and they crash. and, and oh,
0: like, Remember the like early 2000s when every single battle scene ever did that? Where like suddenly the music drops out and they hit each other. Like it's super cliche. Yeah. Again, and, it's not skillfully done. This director is not good at filming battle scenes. So why did you do it? You're just borrowing everyone else. Sorry, I interrupted. It's okay.
1: Uh, They... Early on, when he when P- Peter kills the wolf, mm-hmm. they don't really show it. It's very kind of off-screen. They kind of show the wolf on top of him, and then the wolf rolls, rolls off, and then they show Peter. They don't show the dead wolf. They don't show, like, the sword being bloodied and fur-covered. And I felt like that was, you know, sanitizing. And that was good, nice for, like, a kid's movie not to have, like, chopping off heads and things like that. But then... They go from that to this really scary killing Aslan scene and this like intense battle scene. And I'm like, well, didn't, aren't you watching your own thing? Like, remember when you didn't show this before? Yeah, Continue not to be so violent. Like, it's kind of nice to have that. And in the book, you get a completely different angle on it where you see Aslan go and free all the statues. And it really focuses on just that and not on the battle.
0: Yeah, and the battle's basically over by the time they rejoin them.
1: And I feel like, I understand for a movie that they want to have the big battle scene be like the exciting visual thing. But you can make Aslan defrosting the statues be just as exciting as that.
0: But it wasn't. But they it wasn't. They didn't really care about Aslan defrosting statues.
1: Yeah, and like the focus of the movie, the focus of the book, the focus of like, it's the lion the Witch in the Wardrobe. It's the like the lion's pretty significant.
0: I found Aslan underwhelming in this entire movie. Hmm. I didn't like any of. I thought all his roars were half, half half-hearted. <laughs> Maybe that's how a lion really roars. But like when he roars, the whole world shakes. Yeah, and like the witch turns and runs for her life when he roars at her, yeah. and all the roars are like. And I thought that, uh, Liam Neeson made the mistake that actors always make when they play Jesus, which is they made him boring. hmm He makes him so like... Gravitas. Oh, everything I say is full of quiet dignity and gravitas. Welcome, Peter, son of Adam. Welcome, Susan and Lucy, daughters of Eve. And welcome to you, Beavers. You have my thanks... But where is the fourth? And like, no, no one would follow that person. Yeah, exactly. I don't care if he's big and strong and roars loud. No one follows him. He has no charisma. Yeah. Liam Neeson has charisma sometimes. This is a less charismatic than uh, Qui-Gon Jinn, which was not a very charismatic yeah. performance from Liam Neeson. Yeah, that's true. So he, I think he was poorly cast, actually. Mm-hmm. But also poorly directed. Yeah. I thought... Everything about Aslan was underwhelming to me. Hmm. I liked his death and resurrection, but yeah, I agree. The death scene, I complained about it being tonally inconsistent, but I thought it was effective, mm-hmm. actually. And the resurrection act also effective. The sunlight from behind him and the way it's filmed was pretty yeah. good. Yeah,
1: the table cracks and everything.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: We've talked for quite a long time. We need to get into the way portion of our show
0: why don't we do that where would you like to start taking this movie way too seriously where would i like to start
1: (laughs) (laughs) i feel like we've been already taking it seriously
0: um well if you don't know where to start then i'll suggest something and it is that i i thought about putting this in how much you enjoyed it but i think it's more of a way too seriously which is the main character of this movie is Edmund. Right. But the main character of the book, the main human character, the main character of the book is Lucy.
1: Yes, very much right? so.
0: And there's two reasons, maybe three reasons why you make Edmund the main character instead of Lucy. One is uh, he's a better actor. Mm-hmm. One is that he has maybe a more interesting character arc. Like, he grows and learns and becomes a different person by the end of the movie. Yeah. I think you can... That can be just as... I think Lucy grows and learns also. I think there are good reasons why Lucy should be your primary character. But I can see the appeal of that. But the third reason is because you can't have a girl be your main character. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a... I mean, I'm accusing them this, this movie. Yep. <laughs> they downplayed C.S. Lewis's sexism in one way, but they also added some of their own. Yeah. That this the adventure story has to have the boy doing the adventuring.
1: I definitely, yeah, I definitely noticed watching it this time around. The very first scene when they're in London and they're running from the Blitz, it's all about Edmund. It's about Edmund getting the picture of his father and running back into the house and Peter saving Edmund. And I'm like, what is, this isn't... Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe starts with Lucy. Lucy is who you connect to first, but they really, in the movie, focus on making you connect to Edmund.
0: Yeah. Edmund, is the main character. Yeah. Like, he's the main character for the whole movie. Uh, it's a shift, and I don't like it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a shift that is partially, not only, but partially motivated by, uh, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say, uh unintentional sexism Mm -hmm. on that same note Susan is famously a problem in the Chronicles of Narnia the books right Mm -hmm. and if you don't know what we're talking about I'll give like a shortened version which is in the last book the last battle the three of the Pivensi kids return and Peter Lucy and Edmund but Susan doesn't. And uh, the there's a line of dialogue that's like, Susan is no longer a friend of Narnia. All she cares about is tights and lipstick and being as grown up as she can. Mm-hmm. And this has been read by people, I think fairly, as saying that like, C.S. Lewis can't imagine an adult woman uh, who's discovering her sexuality being still having access to God.
1: Mm-hmm. Um.
0: Susan's a problem in Narnia. Yeah. I think this movie makes it worse. I think this Susan is worse than C.S. Lewis's Susan. Mm -hmm. This movie's treatment of Susan is worse than C.S. Lewis's treatment of Susan. Because in the books, Susan eventually becomes a problem in C.S. Lewis's depiction of her, but not in the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. No. Right? She's there. She has, a, you know, perspective, but she's contributing. Movie Susan spends the entire time being a wet blanket, making smirks, being like a uh, tr- naysayer. We have to go home. She's, as we've talked about before. Now, I forget what movie it was. We, I recently, we talked about a character who was the Skyler the, from Breaking, Breaking Bad, the Lori from The Walking Dead.
1: Yeah, um, maybe The Incredibles?
0: Yeah, maybe?
1: Either way, yeah, like The, the Shrew, the person... The oh. What was it?
0: I was, it was Amy Adams and the Muppets. Right. Who is not as bad as Susan, but is the, like, her narrative purpose is to be a barrier to the male character you care about in having a great adventure. Mm-hmm. Susan is that. Susan is maybe. that. Her interactions with Peter through the entire movie are never anything but, like, let's go home, we can't do this, you are you can't do it, you're not strong enough, you're not good enough, right? Yeah. Uh, and they, that's crummy. Mm-hmm. Especially
1: since she is a child.
0: Yeah. And, like... She, and there's even a moment where she's like trying, she's like, I'm just trying to be practical. And Peter's like, No, you're trying to be smart. She's
1: trying to be realistic. No, you're trying to be smart. As usual.
0: And like, Why is that bad? Why is that bad? Why is it bad to try to be smart? Mm -hmm. And maybe that's a Britishism I'm not getting? (laughs) Maybe. I don't think so, though. He's, say, the context between the lines is you're trying to be a smart aleck, you're trying to be a know-it-all. Yeah. But, like, how dare you?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> movie? <laughs> like, how dare you, Peter? How dare you, movie? mm mm-hmm. You put that character flaw on her and then smack her for it, and then, like, What? And then there's her moment with Lucy where Lucy's like, you're no fun anymore. And she's like, oh yeah? And she splashes water at Lucy. And like, that's the big healing moment. Mm -hmm. It's also a badly done scene. And it's not enough to redeem a Susan that we don't like by that point in the movie. Yeah, I agree. Because you've made her an unlikable character. Mm -hmm. Because she's a wet blanket buzzkill.
1: Yeah.
0: And we were talking about this movie with... uh, well, with your sister, mm-hmm. uh, and she said, uh, hi, Susan, um, she, huh, I didn't feel right now, she defended Susan, sort of. Uh, <laughs> and her name is Susan. <laughs> but uh, she said, like, the movie kind of makes Peter be a surrogate father and Susan be a surrogate mother for Edmund and Lucy, and makes that a little bit more textual than the book does. And, yeah. And she and I both agreed uh, that, like... That kind of makes it even worse, though, because they're saying that, like, mothers are the buzzkills and fathers are the ones who go off and have fun. And in order, the movie believes that in order to make her a mother figure, they have to make her someone who stands in the way of her children growing and learning and discovering and adventuring.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, that's what a mother does.
0: That's what a mother's role is. Like, it's terrible.
1: Yeah, agreed. Um... I wanted to talk a bit about allegory okay go if you want if you're done with yep what you're saying okay so i've talked to friends and people about narnia and i've heard a lot of comments in recent years of like narnia it's the book that tricks you it's <laughs> the book that like you thought you think it's a great adventure but then you find out when you're older it's like christian propaganda it's Telling you the story of Jesus, but you didn't know about it, and I always kind of gets my back up when people say that, mostly because it can be both. Mm-hmm. It still exists as a good story, even if it's allegory. Yep. And so many of the things we read are allegory.
0: In fact, that is to put my literary criticism hat on. uh That is a marker of good allegory if it doesn't work as a story when you take the meaning out, then it's an unsuccessful allegory.
1: Yeah, exactly. So I feel like, I feel like I've heard people say like, Oh, I don't know if I want to give it to my kids because it's, you know, because they're going to discover that it's, I don't know that it's allegory later on and feel betrayed. And I just, I've always had some side eye at that, that like you appreciated it as a story. It's yeah. a really good story. And for me, as a Christian, I love the metaphor and the allegory as well. But Narnia is just a good series of books. And I can read things like uh, Philip Pullman's books that are like basically atheist propaganda. Not
0: basically. Actually. He says so.
1: Yeah. and Not like propaganda,
0: allegory. Atheist allegory.
1: Atheist allegory.
0: And appreciate
1: it and understand that, like, it's a good story, even if I don't agree with the message that it's subtly saying. So, I don't know what, why I feel the need to say this, but I just, like, I feel like I keep hearing it again and again. People being like, well, I liked Narnia as a kid, but now as an adult, it's just, I can't like it. Yeah. And it makes me sad because I really love Narnia and I continue yeah, to love
0: it. I agree with you. I also think like it's hard maybe for me to parse because I also am a Christian and I I buy CS Lewis's <laughs> propaganda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but although it is a Christian allegory, it is um a Christian allegory of the theology not the uh institution. Mhm which is to say that it's an allegory of sacrifice and renewal and resurrection and uh payment and atonement for the wrongdoings of others. Yeah. And that's actually those are aspects of Christianity that uh I have trouble understanding why someone would have a problem with. Mhm. I don't think you have to I do believe that that's jesus but i don't think you have to to be like hey self-sacrifice is a good thing yeah or sacrifice for others is a good thing Mm -hmm. you know and so i feel like uh, Like doctor who does it all the time i know Uh, and also
1: the lion the witch and the wardrobe has straight up like death and resurrection of jesus metaphor pretty heavy-handed the other books not so much they have there's some subtle things in there there's kind of there's Eustace's uh, change of heart and stuff but there's like if you like the Narnia series it's okay to like it yeah you don't have to be ashamed of liking Narnia just because it has Christian elements in it because no. it's really well written because yeah. there's there's a lot of Christian out there that are really terribly written because I've read a lot of them when I was a kid we're, but we're getting off track we're going I know. into books
0: and all the books but yeah I agree with you I think that the movie is a little bit less well done and worse for that right mm-hmm. like um I think the allegory in the movie is a little bit more heavy handed yeah. yeah uh And that's partly because it doesn't work quite as well on its own legs as the book does. Mm -hmm.
1: And it kind of comes a little bit more out of nowhere because you don't have nearly as much focus on Aslan. You have way more focus on the battle. Yeah, for sure. And Peter and Edmund instead of on Lucy, who it's supposed to be about.
0: And part of the point of Narnia allegorically or not, part of the point of Narnia is that what wins against evil is not being really good with swords. It's surrendering to sacrifice. And so focusing on the battle is again missing the point. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like C.S. Lewis didn't know that the battle was in his book when he decided to focus elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. So is it good? Is it seriously good? I think... I would I would call it medium good. Mhm. I am not willing to go as high as good. No. Okay. <laughs> I think it's good. I know you've but always liked it more than I have. I know I liked it's it more true. than I I'm trying to like I liked it a lot more. My most recent experience of it, I liked it a lot more than I remember. But as time passes, the things that bother me about it float back up again. Yeah. I think that's part of what distinguishes a good movie from a medium good movie is that like the more you reflect on it, the more you're like. "Mm."
1: Yeah. Okay. So medium good. And then seriously.
0: (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's seriously good. I don't think it's seriously bad. But it's close to it medium bad Susan we didn't really say it's a very white movie yeah um I don't know what more to say than that we've talked about that on other podcasts and will in the future that's something that comes up a lot here on way too seriously it's certainly not doing anything uh good in terms of racial representation either on or off screen yeah it's not Fair. like yeah yeah I... Medium? Medium. I'm happy with medium. Seriously medium. Seriously medium. Yeah. So it's medium good and seriously medium. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with that. Okay. Okay.
1: I would love to hear anyone's thoughts about Narnia, about this movie, about your experience with Narnia in general. Mm-hmm. We... Have some fond memories of Narnia for various reasons, but partly because when we were in university, which was a, a small Christian liberal, liberal arts university, uh, we did C.S. Lewis Sundays, yep. where every Sunday for about an hour and a half or more in the afternoon, a bunch of our friends would gather together and we would read, we read the Chronicles of Narnia aloud for the whole year. Every Sunday. It's
0: one of my fondest memories. It's
1: one of my fondest memories. Of
0: university and just in general.
1: Yeah. And it was so, it was cozy. We would, one of our friends would bake cookies. We would have chai tea. And at the end of it, we had a Narnian feast where we ate a bunch of the foods that were mentioned in the book. And it was absolutely, yeah, one of my favorite memories. And uh, d- coupled with that, you and I had just started dating, so that was also <laughs> part of
0: why it was kind of a happy time in our lives. So, I already loved Narnia, but that yeah. is an extra association, certainly.
1: Yeah. And I still have strong memories of the first, ti- very first time my mom read Lying the Witch in the Wardrobe to me, and... I'm the youngest in my family, and so I very much related to Lucy. And there's this moment where she's gone into the wardrobe, she's come back out, and her siblings come, and they knock on the back of the wardrobe. (laughs) And that knock was like my heart broke, because she really was there. She really was there, and they didn't believe her, and it was really hard on me. And I was very (laughs) excited when they all got to go, because it was... I still feel that emotion every time poor that Jim. poor lucy was not believed and i felt like it was me being the youngest not being believed yeah so nothing can re- like the affection that i have for this book and this uh series is long lasting and there would be and i don't. Uh, not. Harry Potter has come close to replacing it, but I don't think anything could replace. Yeah. It in my affections.
0: Same. Mm-hmm. Love it very much.
1: So, if you want to talk to us about any of the things we've talked about today, or we'll talk about in the future, or you know, just want to say hey, you can talk to us on Twitter at wtscast. You can send us a, a long form email. <laughs> Way too seriously cast at gmail.com.
0: Do not send us a short form email.
1: No. Actually, no, you can send us as long as short as you want. That's totally fine. You can find us online, we're at goodstuff.fm slash WTS. And if you like us and want to shoot us a little bit of money and get some extra special cool bonus content for as little as a dollar a month. Patreon.com slash ClockWorksCast is where you can do that. Thanks for listening. I've been Paul Moffat. I've been Jan Moffat. If ever you come to a wardrobe, make sure to close yourself inside of it.
0: Yeah, that's a thing that they didn't uh, address in the movie that C.S. Lewis addresses so many times. That like, don't close yourself in a wardrobe, children. Don't <laughs> in a wardrobe. I think it you could bit- totally watch this movie and kids... Could close themselves in wardrobes afterwards. Do wardrobes even exist
1: these days, though. I've never seen a wardrobe I, like that, I, really. You
0: know, prob- probably. I guess in old school houses or something. If you had a house like the professors.
1: They're not, maybe they don't have closets in England.
0: Just like they don't have bathrooms.
1: Right. <laughs>